Get ready to peel back the layers of fruity goodness with It's Bananas, the podcast that acknowledges that life doesn't make a lick of sense, but licking fruit does. Join your host, Becky Onesta, the fruit maven, as she takes you on a tantalizing journey through the world of fruit, where pleasure, fun, joy, and connection await with each succulent bite. It's deep, it's delicious, and it's bananas. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snack Time here on It's Bananas. This is Becky, also known as the Fruit Maven. Today we're going to look at what's on my mind and what's on my table. I'm going to dive right into what's on my mind this week because it's been a pretty rough week for me. By the time this airs, it will have been a few weeks out and I'll probably be in a better place or at least in a different place than I am right now. For now though, it's only been a few days since my dog actually passed away. It was pretty unexpected and uh, we had to let her go. It was a hard couple of days leading up to everything and then it was really abrupt and kind of shocking. So I've been pretty sad and fairly shortly after it happened, I honestly thought to myself, uh, great, (laughs) how am I supposed to talk about joy on a podcast when my heart is so broken? It's not like I ever plan to pretend that life doesn't have hard things. As you know, if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, I knew, of course, that hard things would come, and I knew that I would want to talk honestly about those. I guess I was hoping I'd have a little more time to settle into this new little adventure and not have to address it already on episode five. And look, I could have skipped it. I'm not required to completely be vulnerable in public. But what I really want to do here is to be honest. And so I'm going to do that today. I'm not going to talk in detail about what happened with my dog. Don't worry for any of you who have sensitive hearts when it comes to pets. But I am going to talk about it a little bit and I am for sure going to talk about my own heartache and the role that I think it has in uh, in having a full life, a joyful life in the kind of life that covers the full spectrum of being human, the kind I want to have and to create. And I'm going to talk a good amount about community and how it supports all of those things. I also want to note that it's pretty tricky to figure out how vulnerable to be publicly, especially when it's so recent and not a story from years ago that I can polish and be really separate from. And balancing that against how to talk about meaning without trying to spin things in a way that's uh, overly optimistic or polished. Life is messy and that's okay. This is all very much what's on my mind, and so I'm going to do my best to hit the middle here, whatever that ends up looking like. So, on my table today is the fruit that I felt embodies the idea of community the best. It conveniently also happens to be a fruit that's in season, and third, happens to be a fruit that my dog, her name was Zelda by the way, This is a fruit that Zelda was very weirdly obsessed with, despite it being toxic to dogs and despite her never ever having had one, as far as I know. And that fruit is grapes. 
You can, of course, eat a singular grape, but for the most part, we think of grapes in a bunch or in a cluster, a little community that hangs out together, and we usually eat them that way too. We don't eat just one grape. I mean, you could, but we typically don't. So that's what's on my table. I actually have um, five. <laughs> five kinds of grapes today. I was rewarding myself for doing hard things by buying fun grape varieties and things got a little out of hand. But hey, there were three more varieties that I really, really wanted. One of which was called a blueberry grape. I did try one at the store. It was pretty cool. Anyway, I didn't buy the other three, so pat me on the back for at least showing the tiniest bit of restraint. Uh, but what I do have today, I have two kinds of champagne grapes. I have red uh, or purple and I have green. I have a proprietary grape called Candy Hearts, that's trademarked, that claims to have a lychee flavor. And I have a very fancy Japanese black grape. It's actually a really dark purple, but they're often black, called the Kyoho grape. And finally, I have another small green grape just called the Sour Grape. I've actually never had a grape that was specifically labeled as a sour grape, so I'm particularly excited about that one. I mean, I've had grapes that turned out to be sour, but that's different, obviously. So I snatched it up when I saw it because I knew I would be talking about difficult things this week, and I kind of liked the metaphorical quality of it being sour. So this could be a specific sour variety, and I think it probably is, or it could actually just be an underripe sweet variety. I've been seeing a lot of underripe fruit being sold lately as something like kind of a fancy or bougie kind of fruit. I saw green blueberries and I saw green strawberries last month that were both noted as underripe and they were double the normal price, which I don't understand. I tried them. They honestly just tasted terrible. They just tasted underripe. I don't get the point. Uh, maybe there's some recipe that needs those. I don't know, but it's a pass for me in general. But in this case, these are actual sour grapes that have real purposes, making uh, things like verjuice or for making wine, of course. Also various recipes that come more out of the Middle Eastern region. These sour grapes don't often land in uh, the grocery stores that I go to. I got this one at a market that specifically says it stocks Mediterranean groceries that cater to Middle Eastern, Persian, and Russian flavor profiles. I'm pretty lucky here in San Diego because I have a nearly endless number of places where I can look for cool fruit. I often stop by grocery stores that are geared towards stocking foods that cater to like different parts of the world. So I've got Korean markets, I have J Japanese markets, that's where I got the Kyoho grapes. Kyoho grapes are often given as a gift in Japan, by the way, as a sign of friendship. So that's another reason I really like them as a metaphor this week. And in the UK, I don't know how much this is happening today, but historically in the UK, grapes are brought, often brought as a gift at hospitals when people are not well. Uh, so anyway, here in San Diego, I also have Indian markets, I have this Mediterranean market, so there's lots I can choose from, and then I have specialty produce types of places, and I have a bunch of farmer's markets too. So I am insanely lucky when it comes to produce. We tend to produce a lot of produce, but I'm bum, see what I did there, produce, produce, okay, okay, we'll move on. Anyway, we're going to get back to the grapes soon enough. But before we do, I want to talk more about what's on my mind this week and heartache and loss and grief and this question of where is joy in the middle of that. And my honest answer when we're deep in heartache of any kind, really, is that 
that isn't really an appropriate place to expect joy. Why would we? I'm not here to create silver linings. I don't love believing that everything happens for a reason. Particularly, I don't find that to be helpful, at least in the moment. Sometimes, maybe later, it can be a little bit like shifting of a perspective at times. But for the most part, I don't love that. And here's the thing. There's an even bigger truth that I don't think we can ever really expect joy. All we can ever do is meet each moment as it actually is, bringing our whole selves to it, being curious about what meets us there, and then deciding what we want to do next with that. So the whole idea that I'm coming to understand as I work through my thoughts for this podcast is that in connecting with the moment, with the object or the person or the event that is in front of me, that's when joy and pleasure become possible. And that word possible is, I think, more important than perhaps I thought. And I haven't spent enough time on it, and I've been glossing over it even for myself. So when it comes to tasting something like say fruit, for example, since I happen to have that handy and I like to talk about it, I don't necessarily expect that I will like every single thing that I try, right? I have to acknowledge on some level that I can't even begin to figure out what I like, what creates pleasure, what I enjoy doing, what I want to repeat. If I'm not willing to just taste something for the first time and then check in and see what I think about it. And sometimes I even have to sit with it for a bit and come back to it to realize more of my thoughts. Like I tried the Picasso melon in my very first episode and I thought that it was fine. But then I kept going back to it over the week and I realized that was exactly what I wanted. So liking, loving, enjoying is a possible outcome, but it's certainly never promised. Even if I'm trying a fruit I already know that I typically love, I can still end up taking a bite of it and it's not ripe or it's mushy this time or even it just turns out, oh, I'm actually not in the mood for this, whatever it is. It's a little too much of this or not enough of that or I just don't want this for whatever reason. Or on the flip side, if something looks interesting to me and I discount that interest, like the Picasso melon, because it didn't wow me in the past and say I open the refrigerator and there it is and I'm like, oh, maybe I want that, but I decide... Mm, oh yeah, that didn't taste that good, then potentially I missed the chance to follow my interest and realize, oh, something mellow was exactly what would feel and taste great to me right now. So all of that said, I think we have to accept, or I have to accept, (laughs) that the precursor to loving something, to having a great experience around anything, is actually just showing up with openness, with vulnerability that allows the moment to deliver whatever it's going to deliver. And I, of course, have a part to play in that. I get choices about what I do, what interests I choose to follow, my mood. I have influence over some of my thoughts, things like that. I don't happen to believe we have influence over all of our thoughts or else I would really purge some of these. But that's an aside. When we think we have full control of an outcome, that's typically when we get in trouble And that is definitely when I get in trouble. I like to feel and pretend like I am in control of most things. It's just a fact. And I get very uncomfortable 
when I realize that is not the case, which life likes to remind me of all the time. All the time. And when I get scared, when I'm afraid that I won't be able to control something or I'm realizing something isn't going to go the way I wanted it to or said more simply with our fruit metaphor kind of way that I won't like something that I'm going to taste, when I'm afraid for whatever reason, that's when I tend to exert more control to try to insist on the outcome that I want. That's when I get stuck in a rut, trying the same things, eating the same things, doing the same things, expecting things to work out exactly like I planned them, or worse, doing all the same things and expecting something to suddenly be different and better than it's been in the past. We can't, I can't, I don't even want to ignore reality and insist on something that isn't actually available. So coming back to heartache, where is joy? It's probably not here right now, and that's okay. I just have to be open to this moment and what is actually in front of me so that hopefully, in time, when joy is available again, I haven't shut down and tried to control so much of myself and so much of my circumstances that I miss it. So I don't want to spin everything as good or joyful all the time. That's just not it for me. I really do want everything this life has to offer as painful as that is at times but that means I have to be willing to meet heartache and pain and things like jealousy and anger and insecurity and all the rest of it when that's what's actually true for me but here's the next layer of what I realized this week There are moments, and I think this is true about joyful moments, and I think this is true about very sad moments, and certainly true about grieving moments, and probably lots of other ones in between. There are moments that I can't meet on my own. This week was hard, and this next week is probably still going to be hard, and maybe the week after that. I've gone through a lot of pain in my life from a very young age, and in the last few years, I've gone through a lot of loss. I've lost a number of people I deeply loved, and one thing I learned this week, looking back on those years and how I showed up differently this time, I'm, you should know, I'm a very staunchly independent person. I am stoic to a fault at times, or I have been. I'm actually trying to change that. This week, I actually reached out for help way more than I normally do. I tend to do things on my own until I reach a bit of a breaking point and I've been working on that for a few years and so this time I reached out for help early and I asked for support. I didn't ask it in this way because this wording I'm about to say would be very, very weird, but the essence of what I asked for was for people who cared about me to come beside me and meet the moment that I couldn't meet on my own because I didn't want to shut down. And I knew that I had things I needed to do. I had a kid I needed to take care of, a dog I needed to take care of. And I wasn't going to be able to meet this moment on my own. And that help turned out to look like a lot of different things. And I want to talk about that, which is part of why, again, I picked grapes. Because community is really cool. And I've wanted to be more a part of community to help steward community and to create community and that's been a bit of a black box for me the idea of community 
and stoic independence can be a bit at odds, let me tell you. So what I know is that community can magnify whatever we're going through for better and for worse, right? The people around us matter. They can make our joy bigger. They can make our joy feel safe. They can make it feel valid. They can make pleasure feel amazing. They can make sadness feel tolerable. They can make rage feel justified. They can help comfort and ease when we're in pain or uncomfortable in any way. So in these big moments, self-care can be good, right? Self-care matters. But what I think is better is community care. And I don't hear that talked about all that much in a practical way. So I want to describe what that looked like for me this week, because as I said, it helped me to show up to be handle, to be able to handle what was facing me. Uh, but first, the other role that I think community plays, in addition to magnifying, in addition to magnifying all these complicated and you know wonderful things, is that I think great community, the type of community where you feel like you belong, and community and belonging are two different things, and I recognize that. And community care is a third thing, but great community helps you be more of yourself. A bigger version, a stronger version, a funnier version, or a happier version, a more resilient version of yourself. And that's what I want. I want to be in groups of people where I'm fully seen, where I belong, and where I'm encouraged to be more of me rather than less. And I want the role that I play in the communities that I'm in to be the same. I want to see people for who they are and encourage them to be bigger and more. I want to help them be more resilient. I want to help dismantle all the shame around the things that make us feel like we're less when we're alone and when we're stuck in our heads. So I think there is a lot to be said about the role of community in our lives and in joy and in uh, pleasure. But as I said today, what I want to focus on is what community care can look like, one, one version of it. So I have a few categories of community care that I actually got from a book I read a few years ago. I didn't really think about much about them until this last week. I've been taking down notes on community for years because it's just an enigma to me. So I jot random things down and this came to mind this week. I did not write down the name of the book, unfortunately, although I know it wasn't about community. It wasn't about this topic at all because I've never actually read a book on the topic of community care, oddly enough. So the five areas that I jotted down are information, tangible support, emotional support, physical care and comfort, and esteem support. So I just want to give an example of what those are and how it related to what I went through with my dog this week. So when she first got sick, I was not sure that I was making all the right choices. Uh, So I called a couple people and just said, here's what's happening. Here's what I'm doing. What do you think? What would you be asking? What would you be doing? What am I missing? Does this sound like I'm thinking about, you know, all the things? And they talked it through with me, helped me think it out, um, helped me think of things I wouldn't have, and then just kind of I felt more confident in the choices that I was making. So this is pretty much the information support kind of area, although I certainly also found it emotionally supportive because it lowered my anxiety about it all but it's this exchange of of information or like strategizing about what to do the second on the list is uh, tangible support that's things can be anything from rides clothes objects childcare, stuff like that money so when we had to actually drive to the vet to put her to sleep 
I was going to drive myself there with my daughter, uh, and in some very lucky timing, a friend messaged me and she offered to drive us there to wait outside and then drive us back. And that was just a very tangible thing, and I'm so grateful for for that piece of it. Uh, third on the list is emotional support, and this is kind of the more obvious one that we think of when someone is hurting. This is things like engaged listening, listening, witnessing, mirroring back feelings. So when I reached out to people and said, this really hurts, and they would just say back, yeah, this really hurts. Uh, and also just reminding me that it won't hurt forever like this, right? Uh, that yes, this hurts now, but time will make it feel less all-consuming and acute, and their you know, space will be created where I can um, navigate it more, I'm not going to say easily, but certainly differently. Fourth is physical care and comfort. Broadly, this can be things like hugs, touches, showers, clothes, stuff like that. This was something Zelda actually did really well and offered to me at times, though for sure she was not the cuddliest dog by any stretch of the imagination. She was a standard poodle and acted like a snobby standard poodle, but... She also provided a lot of care to this neighborhood. When we were in lockdown during COVID, I could use the leash to keep a distance and she would just pull me over to anyone she saw who was alone, lonely, looking for touch and love. I swear she could just tell. Uh, and she would just stand there and let them pet her for as long as they wanted. This whole neighborhood is gonna miss this. Uh, gift and support she gave not just me I had multiple people come over when folks heard she was sick and they brought flowers and cards and just cried with her and with me so I got hugs from a couple of those people I've been hugging my kid even more than I normally do and um, this one's gonna take a little tough be a little tougher to fill ongoing because uh, dogs do this in just a certain way don't they um, but that, that has been supported this week. And, and the last one is esteem support, which is an interesting concept to me. And those are things that hold up or strengthen our sense of self-worth or our confidence. And I've actually struggled with this one uh, kind of unexpectedly the most, where I've been second-guessing my various choices for the last number of months and things that I did or didn't notice and what I could or should have done leading up until now. And there's been a couple of people who have really helped remind me that uh, that I'm a good mom, that I'm a good dog mom, and that I did the best I could under the circumstances. And that's helped me not get stuck in my head because I do tend to forget and I have to keep being reminded the truths that I already know. And that's just, I, you know, I don't love that that is true and real for me, but it is, and it, I think it is for a lot of us. I think people who are overthinkers or just deep thinkers, smart people, sometimes it's easier to analyze what's happened than uh, to just feel it and be sad. So this kind of support has been really, really helpful for me. Those are the five areas of community care that came up this week, and I just thought they were really interesting. Like I said, I wrote them down a number of years ago, and then this week I saw them all play out, and that was just really beautiful. And look, none of that was necessarily 
easy for me to receive some of it I asked for. There are a lot of times where I'm still not yet able to ask for what I need or just, you know, what I want. And some of the support I had to choose to accept when it was offered without my asking at all, even though it didn't feel that natural or easy to do it. Other offers of help came and I couldn't accept them in the moment because it felt too hard for any number of reasons. And even still, and this is a really vulnerable thing to say, but even still, I can't help but feel I've been too needy, uh, which I think is maybe common when you're, it's a common feeling when you're in pain, which is why I mention it. Um, I feel sometimes as if it's too much for me to keep being sad in front of people or near these people who already care about me as ever I am inclined to notice the unspoken rules that I have that I probably never meant to have like there being a short time limit on how long I'm allowed to be externally sad about losing a dog before I have to act you know quote-unquote normal again before I have to stop just saying I'm so sad about this still Dogs are a little complicated because everyone feels so differently about the weight and value of relationships with pets, but even when we lose people, um, and here in the U.S., we don't really have a set, a, like a standard set of, of customs for our culture around grieving and how to come together for one another and how, you know, what that looks like over time. So it can be really isolating to know when and how to express things and I certainly don't have that unlocked but I think understanding the ways that we can care for each other is super helpful being open to receiving support and help from other people and again just always practicing being available for whatever the moment actually has uh, in front of us all right let's press on with our grape metaphor for community and get to what's on my table and talk about these cute little bunches or pods of grapes that I have in remarkably excessive abundance. But first, let me tell you what would happen when I would get out grapes when Zelda was here. So I would get grapes periodically. Uh, Often when they're out of season, they're not as good and I would get them and freeze them and then I could eat them like a little like ice slushy popsicle thing. So they lose like some flavor that way, but out of season they're, you know, the flavor is not as great anyway, but I really like the texture. So I would get out grapes here and there and Zelda would come running across the room. Like I'd gotten out a slab of raw beef or something. I don't, (laughs) I do not even understand it because to me, grapes don't smell very much. We'll get to rating the smell portion of the ratings later, but I could not make sense of it then. It doesn't make sense to me now. She would sit next to me, just snuggling her nose into my lap. I'd be like, stop being so nosy. <laughs> I had to push this dog away from the grapes. It made me laugh every single time because, again, I don't think she'd ever had one. I don't even understand what she thought it was or what the obsession was. <laughs> dog loved grapes. So hopefully she's up in some doggy paradise just eating her little heart out in grapes and I will be right here eating my heart out in grapes today too. So on my table, let us begin. Appearance. I have two kinds of champagne grapes. The first are little purple balls. They're almost, I mean, they're not perfect spheres, but they're very spherical round. They are just barely the size of my pinky nail. And then I have green champagne grapes, which are only slightly larger and are a bit more oblong, more like um, 
I don't know, your regular green table grape, and they're kind of the size of my pinky fingertip rather than just the nail. Then moving up only slightly in size, I have the sour grape, which is also oblong and is closer to my first fingertip in size and shape. And I'll put a little video on Instagram if every, anyone wants to see these. The next biggest is called a candy heart grape. These are a recent variety that are made by the same folks that make the cotton candy grapes, which at least in California are pretty common and popular. They're a trademarked proprietary grape. This one is reddish, and it's also fairly spherical and about the size of my thumb, if my thumb was actually round. <laughs> um, so maybe more like, I don't know, an average marble. And the packaging on this says it's lychee flavor. So that's pretty interesting. Then I have the big fancy Japanese grape. The Kyoho grape is a dark purple. Sometimes these can be black, but these ones are just a purple color. Again, spherical. So all the purpley-ish ones are pretty spherical and both of the green ones are more oblong. Um, so the Kyoho's are way bigger than my thumb more like the size I don't know of one of those little kids like bouncy balls that you can get did, did you get those out of them I think we used to be able to get them out of a machine for like a quarter I don't know you know what I'm talking about anyway so these are all attractive but on their own a single grape in any one of these a single grape is not that attractive I mean we don't even draw single grapes if you like do a drawing so if you hold I don't know why that matters but if you hold one up they're okay. I'm going to give them a three out of five. There's nothing wrong with them. If I hold them up in a bunch, it's it's quite a bit prettier. I'm going to give those a four out of five because a well-shaped cluster is perfect. All right, let's move on to aroma. Okay, look, I have smelled these all one by one. I cut them and smelled them. Despite Zelda's radar nose, these do not smell to me. I don't know if I just don't have a sensitive enough nose. Like even the big purple ones don't really smell. I'm not, okay, I'm not gonna waste any time pretending that they do or describing something. These get a three out of five. It's neutral, nothing. Honestly, I would give them a two, but I'm gonna bump them to a three because Zelda clearly liked the scent. So they will get a three. All right, texture and taste. I'm gonna do these kind of together. So I'm gonna start with the champagne grapes. They're the smallest and I'm gonna move up from there. So these are fantastic. I just tried both the purple ones and the green. They're pretty similar in flavor. The green is a little bit more tart. They're a very sweet, fun little grape. I love eating champagne grapes. They're just like, you can just pop them in their mouth. The texture is fantastic. They just kind of pop and there's lots of juice. There isn't a lot of, I mean, the texture is just not that noticeable. The, the um, green one being slightly bigger is a little bit more no noticeable. It's soft very juicy. These have a little bit of acidity, a little bit of tartness. Before you ask, um, champagne is not made from champagne grapes because champagne, the beverage, is a region uh, and it's named for the region in France. It's not made for the grapes that they use. So this is completely different, unrelated. So these are great. I'm going to give them a four out of five. Like They're really, really fun and really good. Okay, let's move on to the candy hearts. Oh my god, these are, okay, okay, these are considerably more complicated. It's a bigger texture, like it's got a lot more crunch, like a, cr not crunchy, like, you know, but like it's got a crispness to it that I really, really like. Like chewing it is fun. The flavor is just complicated. It's very, very sweet. It's a lot sweeter than the other two. It's more noticeable. It's got a much stronger flavor. Wow, this is just really complicated. So this is the one that it says on the packaging like lychee flavor. And I don't know if you've had a lychee, but 
they can be a little bit um, kind of floral, kind of boozy, actually. Like they, they just have this very complex flavor to them. So if you put that on top of a very sweet grape flavor, and then they've got this a little bit of acidity and this really nice, nice crunch. I love these. I have tried the cotton candy grapes and those are good. These are a lot more interesting. Highly recommend the candy hearts plus cute name. So I'm going to give these five out of five for gosh, for texture and flavor. I think they're really good. I forgot to, to do separation on the champagne grapes, both four out of five for texture and taste. Okay. Let's move on to the Kyoho grape. Wow, okay, there is a lot happening with this grape. First of all, it's quite big. I mean, compared to these little champagne grapes, which are just like tiny and I just wanna pop them in my mouth. This one's pretty big. Again, like a bouncy ball size. I pop the whole thing in my mouth. The peel comes right off in my mouth. The peel is a bit, um, chew like I, it's very noticeable. Like I feel like it's the skin and because it's separated from the grape right away, like it's, it's noticeable and it's pretty acidic, kind of bitter. Uh, and then the flesh is crazy. Like it's juicy. You can bite into it. It's like, it's, oh my goodness. I don't even know how to describe this. Um, I guess it's kind of gelatinous, but that doesn't, I, that really doesn't do it justice. But it is a little bit like, like biting into a very juicy jello, I guess. Um, so I knew before trying this that you can actually just squeeze. They have what's called a slip peel and you can just kind of squeeze it and the uh, the grape will come out of the peel. It's a bit messy, like it kind of gets all over your hand. But if you want to avoid that peel, which I kind of do, you can eat it without that. There are also big seeds inside. Uh, I don't love the seeds, but I'm not super bothered by it because they're big enough to just spit them out. But this is... um. This tastes amazing. It's kind of musky in flavor. It's got a very complicated flavor. I get it. I see why these, I mean, there's, they're similar to a Concord grape, which I've had before. If you've had that texture, it's pretty similar, but this is like a Concord grape, but considerably more kind of tangy and aromatic. Like it's, I woo, recommend five out of five on the flavor, four out of five on the texture. I, I feel bad giving it a four because I really, really like this texture, but you do have to deal with that peel and the seed. So I, uh, 3.5, four, I don't know. Okay, if you get rid of the seed and you get rid of the peel, then it's up to a five. That's where I'm at with it. All right, last one. I saved the sour grape. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous to try this because I know it's going to be sour, but I don't quite know how sour. I've had these for a couple days and I've been waiting. So let's do it. Oh my God. <laughs> that's so sour Ooh, that is that's really sour <laughs> um it's like lemon level sour but with like a slightly grape slightly grape flavor but mostly i just get the sourness i've I'm pretty sure you can swap these out for lemons in recipes, not like one for one because, you know, there's quite a bit different, but pretty close in flavor just with it just barely hint of grape versus hint of lemon. Wow. Texture. I don't even know. It was so sour. <laughs> like, I think it's just normal grape texture because I, whew, how do I even rate that? I don't want to give it like a bad rating because I mean, it delivered on the sour. I, gosh, 
I guess if I'm rating it on snackability, like e- eating out of hand, which is what I'm doing, it, it has to get sort of a low rating, but that feels so unfair. So caveat, caveat, caveat. I'm giving texture three out of five. It's fine. Nothing noticeable, nothing bad, nothing great. Um, and then taste two. <laughs> it's good for what it is, but it's I don't want another one, two. One. I, I feel terrible. Can you hear how terrible I feel? I love this grape. I just want it to be known. I love that there is a sour grape that is like this that has... I don't even... I'm going to learn how to cook it after this or what you can do with it, but if I have to rate it in snackability, which is what I'm doing, flavor gets a, a, a two. I'm going to go two, okay? Because it's not horrible. I don't hate it or something. It's just very sour. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to lickability. I am only gonna lick one of these. I chose to do the Kyoho grape and I already peeled it. I, t- I slipped the peel off. So it's just the grape itself. I'm gonna lick it. Okay. This is a pretty fun grape. I'm not I, licking it. Okay, first of all, I wanted to just put it in my mouth and not like I wanted to suck on it rather than lick it. So, I mean, I did, I'm just saying. Like in a pucker, and the t- the texture the texture is like a I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. The texture is like a tongue, <laughs> in a good way. Like it's soft. It's a bit. It's you know juicy, and then it's got like a little bit of like tech like a bumps on it or whatever. Sort of like the bump like taste buds, kind of not. They're not bumpy like that. They're a little bit more like like lines or something. But just trust me. <laughs> it's it's like licking a tongue okay that's what it is five out of five winner i am for it recommend all right all in all i'm just gonna rate grapes on as, as a whole this whole experience as a whole i'm not gonna go back over each one because clearly i pretty much liked them all these were fun this is a fun tasting i this is weird, but I like, I wish you were here with me trying them because I just want to keep talking about it because they're all so different. I recommend getting a bunch of different grapes if you can and just comparing them to each other because, wow, these were amazing. Five out of five experience. Does each one taste get a five? I don't know. <laughs> they Probably fours, mostly fours. The Kyoho grape, yeah, the Kyoho grape is complicated. I want to give it a five, but it's got that peel. I don't want to have to peel it. It's fun to peel them. I'm going to give the candy hearts a five out of five on flavor. Those were amazing and no seeds, no peel issues. Champagne grapes also five out of five. Look, I'm just rambling now. I really liked these grapes. This was a win. I might go back and get the other three grapes I didn't buy the other day. Like why not? Why not? not? Can I eat 10 pounds of grapes by myself? (laughs) My daughter doesn't happen to like grapes. So yeah, these are all for me. I did just give some to a neighbor though, earlier today. The whole neighborhood might get grapes. Uh, That might be what we're doing. All right, that's a wrap on this week's episode of It's Bananas. I hope that you have people around you who can come alongside you and support you in whatever kind of moment you have in front of you this week. Uh, And I hope that you're able to come alongside those people around you as well. I think that we are better together. So reach out to me. If you want to, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'm always up for talking to you. You can find me on Instagram at Fruitmaven. And I'll see you next time. I apple you. 
If you find It's Bananas appealing, it would mean a lot to me if you'd plant a seed of support by giving it a five-star rating and hitting that follow or subscribe button on the It's Bananas show page. Be a peach, share a favorite episode with a friend, and reach out to me on Instagram, at Fruit Maven, all one word. Thank you.